Hey, welcome to another episode of Locked On Bruins. Nico, Brian, Fenley with you. Our show is starting to pick up some momentum. We appreciate your time and listening to us, and we ask you to get involved in social media. Follow our Twitter handle for our show. That is Locked On Bruins. Could have guessed that. And then Nick's Twitter is NKOOP. I'm at Brian Fenley, and if you got anything on your mind when it comes to Bruin Athletics, send us an email, fireaway at lockedonbruins at gmail.com. This is your team every day, and be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Nick, we haven't even started football season, and we have thousands and thousands of downloads, so what a great momentum that we're having and UCLA football ready to show off what they have worked on all off season, just two days away until they open up the season against Cincinnati. It's going to be so much fun. We, we can't wait. I mean, we're just so excited to see what all this off season, all this talk of building off the end of last year and all this growth that everyone talks about, how much different it feels year two versus year one and ready to see how all this manifests on the field the flip side of that is is Cincinnati is also a really good football team and is going to be a really tough test for the Bruins I mean Chip Kelly talked about it on Monday when he met with reporters like this is a really good litmus test to kind of see where we at you know we've we've had a nice offseason we like where we're at as a team but you don't really know exactly where you stand until you play other teams and can kind of you know, use that as a barometer. And Cincinnati is going to be a very tough opponent. I'll tell you what, though. I like what tight end Jordan Wilson for UCLA said over the weekend. And, you know, the way he said this, it wasn't cocky, but it was just a level of self-confidence that I feel like echoes across the whole program. And he was asked about Cincinnati and preparing for them. And he said, look, I I really don't think they run anything that challenges us because Chip Kelly puts out a good game plan and we can beat anybody. Now, this is not bulletin board material. He said this pretty matter of fact. And he said this with a level of just a, a calmness. In no way was he trying to rile up the other side. But as you mentioned Nick, it just seems like there's just this exuberance, this energy, this excitement, and this readiness to prove what happened last year was something that they learned from, and they are so much more advanced coming into the second season. And on top of all the discussion throughout the show we are going to have about the upcoming game at Cincinnati on Thursday. We also want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the news and notes coming out of UCLA's camp, particularly Bo Calvert. Chip Kelly had, as Nick alluded to, had his last media availability yesterday before the game against Cincinnati, and Chip weighed in on Calvert's suspension and how long that's going to be and then also Nick I know that you've seen this from Chip Kelly as a common trend throughout this offseason and he's empowering his players and you're you're going to hear this motto Bruin fans 
from us, from players, from coaches, and, and the guys are saying all the time now, we are player-led, not coach-fed. And I know, Nick, you have some stuff to add when it comes to that and perhaps how the team is using that mantra to, to hold a level of you know self-responsibility, accountability, and use that as certainly a, a, a vital weapon for moving this team and making it more mature moving forward. But before we get into the UCLA Cincinnati matchup, Nick, let's let's first talk about Bo Calvert suspended eight games. That according to Chip Kelly yesterday when he met with reporters. He in Coach Kelly was asked, well, what happened? And Chip politely was not going to get specific, right? So that's basically how he laid it down. He said it was an NCAA violation. He said it's always disappointing when you lose anybody like that and that he's such an important part of the team, admitting that he made a mistake and that he hopes that he understands from the lessons that he learned from this, Bo, and that he'll become, in Chip's words, better because of it. So you have that, Nick, that I I certainly want to get your take on. Also want to get your take on this movement, this drive for the players to take more self-ownership over their own skills and it's just a level of accountability that we're seeing where it's really not a a micromanaged operation yeah well starting with Bo Calvert then and I guess you know just from a pure football standpoint because we don't know what rule or rules uh at the NCAA level were broken but in terms of just football and that inside linebacker position and you know, all of a sudden those numbers thinning out again, you know, at least you potentially have him available at the back end uh, of the schedule. Uh, so that's, I guess, the bit of good news out of that. But in terms of uh, this player-led uh, program uh, that we've come to learn about, it makes a lot of sense listening to Chip Kelly today. He's like, look, we only got so much time with these guys. You know, there's all this other time where we're not with them that they need to, you know, police themselves beyond themselves to make sure that they're doing the right things in the classroom, the right things in terms of taking care of their bodies and, and the right things in preparing to play football. And, you know, the coaches can't do that all the time. You need leaders on the team. And so it, it seems like now that, a year plus has gone by, those leaders have emerged. You've got guys like Osa Odigizua on the O or on the defensive line, rather, Chris Barnes at linebacker, Darnay Holmes in the secondary, Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback. You've got these guys sort of scattered around the team to help keep everybody together and keep everyone on the same page. And so when you can, it's, it sounds simple, but I don't think it's easy to do. You, you, there's so many people involved between the coaching staff and the players, right? And, and you've got egos there. And so it takes finding the right leaders and then everybody else respecting those leaders and sort of falling in line. There's a lot of pieces there that it takes to get 
you know, a, a player-led program uh, as it's presented to us. It, it takes a lot to make it work. Yeah, and and as you said, Nick, this is there is that time limit with how much coaches can be with players, and so players have that opportunity to gather around and and work on stuff within just the players. And they did so much of that this off season from Dorian Thompson Robinson calling up wide receivers and his buddies. And he said, Hey, let's go throw and let's do everything we can in the off season to be well equipped and well suited for fall camp and into the regular season. And then from the most important part, I think Nick, from stressing more player-led activities, even when the coaches are allowed to be around the guys, but to just kind of give your distance as a coach and watch the players, you know, handle things, is in a game situation, you're not going to have a coach out there on the field telling you, hey, you know, this is what you need to do against this guy. Like, you're on your own. So I think that if you can get that down off the field or in practice that, hey, as a coach, I want to see you succeed. I'm going to help you as much as I can, but there's only so much I can do to ensure you play to your potential. It takes an inner drive within yourself to get to what you know you're capable of getting. I think that this could lead to some really positive results onto the field come game time because the players are going to learn how to figure things out on their own because they've been doing it before and they're going to be communicating more with one another in game. And with it being the second year and not having to kind of go through year one with Chip Kelly learning on the fly, guys have a better sense of a muscle memory of how things work. And so they're going to be more instinctive on what to do, but they're also going to know if, if something they can't figure it out on the field that, they better figure it out or they better ask the guy next to them and communicate with them. So I just, I love this, Nick. I think this exudes leadership and it could, as I said before, translate to a lot of optimistic outcomes and positive results in the future for this program. And as we get ready for the Cincinnati, U, uh, Cincinnati UCLA game, it, you know, gets to thinking, to to show up to the college football game. How do we get ticket? You know, it brings this level of excitement. And when you're looking for tickets and you're looking for live entertainment, don't look anywhere but Vivid Seats. It's an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans the best live entertainment. And what they do, which is fascinating, is not only are you privy to watching your favorite teams or even a, a concert in person. But when you do that through this app, and we'll tell you how to get that app in just a moment, but you will be able to earn credit with your purchases made through the Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats app. And it's all part of their Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. But basically what happens is this this app is going to offer you great price prices to, to sporting events, and it's going to make it really easy to get tickets. And with 
you buying these tickets, you will get tons of credit for upcoming purchases uh, from 10% to 16% credit that all through the month of August. And the most important thing you can do is go to the app store or Google play download vivid seats app. It's a super cool app where it allows you to not only have access to sporting events and look for available seats, but to get rewarded in the process as well with enjoyable credits that can lead to more advantages for you when it comes to taking in live entertainment, whether it's a sporting event or your favorite band. And all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee. And if you enter the promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout, you will receive a discount of up to $100. So we firmly motivate you, inspire you to go download Vivid Seats and watch all the different advantages you will have as a sports fan or as someone who loves music and just likes to be at all the biggest events in your town. From that, we transition on to what's taking place in the town of Cincinnati on Thursday, kickoff against UCLA, Nick, at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And we spent uh, quite a bit of time yesterday discussing the weakness, one of the glaring weaknesses for Cincinnati, and it is their patchwork offensive line with them bringing in three new starters this season. But there are some things uh, that make you believe that maybe there are other weaknesses in other spots. And and I look at the, the defensive line. They've got a new D-line coach this year, and it just seems, Nick, that this defensive line coach position has had a lot of turnover. I mean, some guys on the Bearcats have had three different D-line coaches, but despite that, last year they were 13th nationally in rushing defense, allowing just 113 yards per game, which obviously doesn't shape up well against the Josh Kellys and the UCLA potent rushing attack. But there's a twist here. Three of their best defensive linemen last year exhausted their eligibility. They are no longer with the program and are either trying to make it in the NFL. And those three guys combined just last year, Nick, 14 sacks. Their top returning player on the D-line, Michael Pitts, but... Besides that, there are a ton of unknowns with this D-line and with an O-line for UCLA that has just one new starter and has the chemistry and the ability to communicate and get good calls. I see this as an advantage for the Bruins. Yeah, this is the most clear advantage for UCLA on paper going into this game with with new bodies on the defensive line and just uncertainty about how much pressure and how much run-stopping ability this Cincinnati defensive line has. They, they really don't know. It's a, it's a lot of unproven guys that don't have a ton of experience. Uh, all those guys from last year are gone. That's not to say these guys can't be solid, um, but... 
on paper, when you've got a UCLA offensive line that's brought all that back, UCLA should be able to, you know, ho- hopefully protect Dorian Thompson Robinson, give him time to throw, and, and at the same time, you know, maybe they can get something going on the ground. The thing is, the linebacking core and the secondary very strong for Cincinnati, so they do have, you know, the the second and third level behind that defensive line to, to, to help back up the guys up front a little bit. And, you know, in, in running situations, those linebackers will come up. The, those safeties will come up a little bit as well. Uh, but you hope then, if you're UCLA, that as a game goes on, you can start to wear down that defense, start to wear that, down that front. And uh, it's the obvious advantage, I think, for UCLA going into this game. An advantage, or at least you could argue on the same level as UCLA for Cincinnati, is is the running game. I mean, they have a stable of ball carriers, the Bearcats, that just torched defenses last year, and it's led by Michael Warren II. They call him, his nickname is Truck, and he can you imagine what he does? He lowers the boom and it takes three to four guys to bring him down. He's just a bowling ball out there. Had nearly 1,400 yards on the ground last year, 19 touchdowns, had 142 yards on the ground against UCLA. But one of his backups just ruled out for this game, and he was supposed to be someone who was going to get a significant amount of carries in, in Tavion Thomas. He will not be playing, according to Luke Fickle, who spoke yesterday. And Fickle, in the kindest way possible, it was very political the way he told the news of Thomas not playing. But it sounded like he was trying to say, Fickle, that Thomas, in one way or another, violated some sort of team rules because Fickle said something like, Thomas needs to learn to build more trust with us as a staff. And he also pointed that he hasn't been a regular participant in fall camp. Now, Thomas, okay, he's, he's not Mike Warren, but he was the second highest recruit in their 2018 class. He had 500 yards rushing last year and six scores. So, you know, if Michael Warren starts to struggle and they're looking, which – at one point, it seemed like they had, you know, a, a variety of different backs who could come in. Well, you've got one reliable guy who produced pretty significant numbers last year, given what Michael Warren did as the leader. But, you know, take some of the, the ease or some of the pressure off of Warren and you're not going to have Thomas. Nick, I think this is another big blow to Cincinnati because with their offensive line having so much inexperience working together, you you want us if if one running back isn't really on the same page, maybe you try another one and one of your better running backs is not gonna go according to Coach Fickle as of yesterday. Yeah, it was uh it's gonna be a lot more pressure for Michael Warren. You mentioned Tavion Thomas's stats and you know, that wasn't just a, a lot of work. That's five and a half yards per carry. That's a really solid average, a really solid backup to give Warren that rest. So, 
I have a feeling a lot's going to be asked of Warren in this game and until Tavion Thomas would return to the team. Yeah, and as you said, you can totally read between the lines and there's a little yeah. something little something there going on and, and, <laughs> yeah. and Fickle sort of putting the, the onus on his player, it seems, uh, yeah. to get back out there. Uh, so, yeah, that that's definitely helpful. And more to your point, in, in the running game for Cincinnati as general, looks like they will have their... Uh, six-year senior Chris Ferguson, who was the right tackle last year, slide over to the left side. So I'm sure that's something that UCLA coaches are keeping an eye on. Maybe Cincinnati is going to favor that left side of the line a little bit more since they have their veteran over there, and potentially that's something that the Bruins could key on as well. The other veteran on the offensive line for Cincinnati is at right guard. His name is Morgan James, and the man is 29 years old. I kid you not. And he's a former professional hockey player. How about that? So I'm sure tomorrow we'll get more into the intricacies of the offensive line because there's been a big battle at the right tackle spot for the Bearcats. It had been down to Vincent McConnell and Lorenz Metz, and it looks like Lorenz Metz is going to get the first string honors come game time. That's what it looks like reports are suggesting. And this guy, and I won't go into too much detail, but he's six foot nine. He's a 330 pounder, a freshman from Germany who's good in pass protection, but is a little bit green when it comes to, like you said, Nick, trying to open holes for ball carriers. What has been a deficiency for Cincinnati in the past? Special teams and how the Bruins could capitalize off some of that weakness per se. We will discuss next, but first, the new Lockdown NFL is on fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows. With the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock, Lockdown NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Lockdown NFL now your podcast provider. Welcome you back to Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. We have set the line of scrimmage on the final segment of our show, just two days away from the season opener as UCLA will visit Cincinnati. Coach Kelly saying yesterday they will hop on a plane tomorrow. They will get in. And he also said they're not going to do a walkthrough. He said every football field is the same. And he happens to be right, unless you're playing a NFL preseason game in Canada when the field is 80 yards. But every field is 100 yards. And so he said, yeah, when we get up there, we're just going to show up come game time and get ready to play. We're not going to spend extra time doing a walkthrough the day before. A lot of coaches like to do that. It helps them and the players get acclimated to the scenery of the stadium. But where we want to take this this segment, Nick, is the Cincinnati special teams. Their kicking situation, Nick, has been troublesome, and they made a move to bring in a grad transfer from Western Illinois to kick Sam Crosa, who won over the freshman from a year ago, Cole Smith, who went 5 for 12 in field goals last year. And this is another very vulnerable spot for Cincinnati because Crosa, while he did post a video on Twitter 
of him making three consecutive 50-yard kicks. There was no pass rush, and I think his sister was holding the ball for him. And so it was very just a relaxed scenario. The the longest that he's been able to do from my last check is 44 yards. So as we can see, Nick, if this game is close and it comes down to special teams, I have a feeling that the Bruins have an advantage. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, coming from Western Illinois and, you know, looking at his kicking stats now, you know, 10 of 14 last year. And as you said, the the long 44 and, you know, kicking doesn't mean anything unless there's there's stakes and guys are on the field coming right for you. And so, you know, you like that J.J. Molson versus Sam Crosa. You'll take J.J. Molson every time. No question about it. And their punter, James Smith from Australia, had eight punts against UCLA last year. That was the most he had in a game. So you're going to have two Australian punters facing off in this game as well. Sort of a footnote, as there is certainly a humongous Australian punting pipeline in the college football ranks and the NFL. And Nick, to to finish off our show, I also saw that Cincinnati, when they released their two deep, which is is nice that they returned the favor because UCLA did so earlier in the week. It's only more or less fair that they would also do that for UCLA's sake. But they, they put two freshmen as kickoff returners. And so, look, they could be, and what I've read about them in in Trey Tucker and Ryan Montgomery is that they are speedsters and they're just so agile. But you're putting a freshman in a national, nationally televised game and you're only human. And so that means you're going to be nervous. And so that is where you might see another mistake or two. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. If you're uh, if you're Cincinnati, if you're if you're Tucker or Montgomery, you, you hope you can stay uh, w- within yourself and keep calm and composed. Um, but Cincinnati, you know, like on the offensive line and offensive line, and and on special teams here in the return roles, needing young guys, going to have to rely on young guys to fill a role. And UCLA isn't without those guys either. You know, among all the things going on here, we'll have to see whose young guys step up and perform well. Oh, I do know that kickoff is two days away, 4 p.m. Pacific time, when UCLA tees it up against Cincinnati. And we've got plenty more coverage to bring you leading up to kickoff, including tomorrow where Nick and I are going to discuss some of the biggest teaching tools the Bruins learned from their last meeting with Cincinnati. We'll dive further into the Cincinnati offensive line, get a little bit more specific about certain position battles and where some of the new guys are shuffling in and why that might cause some problems offensively for Cincinnati and their lack of experience. Plus, we'll hear what Chip Kelly thinks about Cincy's quarterback, Des Ritter. That is all coming up tomorrow. 
So plenty of exciting things to look out for on the podcast tomorrow. He is Nick Cope. I am Brian Fenley. Thank you again. This is your team every day, and we will catch you here tomorrow as we get closer to the season opener.